everyone. I'm your host, Christina Laney Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today, we'll have a talk story with Mike Farrell, a sustainable builder who truly lives out his mission with his work, family, and community. We plan to tackle sustainable building, LEED certifications, farming, permaculture, and affordable housing. Aloha, Mike. Thank you for taking the time to talk story with us. Thank you. Excited to uh, have a chat here. Yeah, so before we begin, I would love to tell you a little bit more about Mike. He founded Mokulua High Performance Builder Builders in 2005. He's serving as the principal RME and project manager for them. He holds a number of green building credentials and is now known as one of the leading sustainable builders Hawaii has to offer. So let's get down and dirty with Mike as we he discuss his life, business, community, and outreach. So let's start with how about your family? Your family. My family, uh, my girlfriend Deb and my son Kale. Um, I have two stepdaughters, Severa, who's 21 and pursuing nursing, and then Kaya, who's 15 and is in vocational school in Pennsylvania. Wow. So I know that you have a son here and you guys do, do you guys go and do a lot of things within your industry? Like, oh, so yeah. Oh yeah. He's super stoked on the whole construction process. I mean, he, I, I hope he becomes an engineer and maybe takes over for me, uh, <laughs> some way, you know, family business. Um, but then also at the farm, uh, Deb and I go up there, we, you know, maintain the farm, keep it clean. And it's kind of a cool thing we do on the weekends. If, you know, we don't go to the beach, we really love being in Waimanalo. So, um, we often go to Shearwoods, Waimanalo beach, spend time over there and just, you know, appreciate that side of the Island. Awesome. So how did you get into construction? Maybe start from your, your life, how you got into where yeah. you are today. Super young. Um, my dad was kind of I grew up on a farm and, you know, I wasn't the best helper, I guess, as a youngster. And so my dad kind of was like, oh, go get a job then. And um, I had another friend's uncle um, who we'd known who was in construction. He was a mason. And so when I was 14 that summer, I went and, you know, worked for cash as a mason's helper, um, which I enjoyed being outside and kind of doing that and kind of being out and about and away from, you know, the farm. Um but I realized that, you know, masonry, well, that's way too tough. Um, I want to try like building things and building houses. So um, my girlfriend at the time, her dad was also in construction and he had done like framing and finish work. So um, the next summer I jumped in with him and started building cabinetry and, you know, doing interior trim for production builders on the East Coast. Um, and it kind of just grew from there. I, you know, because of that, I did building trades in high school. Um, got pretty fluent in framing and, and worked. Um, there was a lot of construction in the uh, southeast Pennsylvania area, so it was easy to get right into that. Um, and, and I kind of spurred my interest from there. I uh, graduated high school, and six months later, I just wanted to get as far away from the East Coast as possible. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the cold, so Hawaii was the natural uh, decision. And I just kind of sprung it on my parents. I was like, oh, I'm going to move to Hawaii. I got a plane ticket. And, you know, two weeks. Knew um, nobody. Just um, knew to... nobody and just got on a plane, came out here and, uh, you know, found a job working construction. It was booming like no other at the what, time. What was That the was year? like 2001. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, you know, booming. So I, I jumped in with a contractor and 
the first couple years jumped around from contractor to contractor, which was kind of typical. Um, and then I started going to HPU and uh, was just curious about education and took an oceanography class, um, which spurred my interest in sustainable building because I did a paper on how uh, runoff, stormwater runoff, you know, and just dirty water really has an impact on the ocean and the ocean environment. Um, and I found out that the construction industry is the number one contributor for, you know, waste getting into the ocean. And that really prompted my, you know, desire to be a sustainable builder. Um, and in and amongst that time, I, a lot of luck fell in my lap and I'd become a general contractor and founded Mokalua. Wow. Awesome. So since you have dove into sustainable building, can you, for some of the listeners, they may not really, they've heard of LEED certified, mm-hmm. um, but they don't really know what that means. And I know there's different classifications and levels and whatnot. So can you break down LEED certified to our listeners? Sure. Um, LEED is leadership in, in, in energy and environmental design. Um, it also is like kind of contingent on Energy Star. Energy Star homes are more efficient homes. Um, they're built to EPA kind of standards that were devised to um, kind of improve on code built homes. And I, that's really important in Hawaii as well, you know, along with the lead because both of those facets take the home and put it on a higher level. Um, the code requirements out here are between 2006 and 2009. So it's grossly behind what it should be in most other states uh, because the current code is 2018. Um, and lead and Energy Star is contingent on current code. So um, basically what we're doing is we're applying practices not only that are well above code for Hawaii, but but they focus on you know, the indoor air quality of the home. They focus on the uh, water management and uh, efficiency, the energy efficiency, of course, which is probably the most known and talked about in Hawaii, Um, you know, PV and all those other things, but homes can be naturally energy efficient. Um, They also deal with uh, site management. So like keeping the runoff on your site, um, you know, introducing permaculture and different edible landscapes, things like that, you know, utilizing your site. So it, it isn't just like a concrete pad that wicks water and so on, but like allows the environment to replenish itself. Um, and it also focuses on locations and linkages. So like how you're adapting your site for where you live. Um, are you make if, if there's access to, um, pedestrian slash bicycle, um, paths, you know, is the home situated and functional so you can take advantage of that. Awesome. So you did touch about the, I guess, code where we're at in Hawaii and how we are far from. So I guess 2019, 18, 19. So can you explain how that is? This is a federal, federal lead certification is federal, correct? Correct. Yeah. So can you explain, um, I guess the disadvantages, because the last time we spoke, I was very intrigued by what you were talking about with um, affordable housing and things of that sort. So can you explain um, what other states are doing and how they're taking advantage of being certified to code, I guess, to 2018? Yeah, I mean, there's, so I did, I I took some time and went to New Jersey to understand like the um, inspection side of Energy Star and LEED. So like we have to have a third party inspector come in and inspect our house 
who's not a building inspector. It's a voluntary. I mean, LEED and Energy Star are both voluntary, but we have to contract with and hire a third-party inspector to, to kind of manage these checklists and make sure we're doing what we're supposed to do. Um, and so on the flip side of that, I wanted to understand it from the inspection side so I could, you know, ultimately my goal was I want to make LEED and Energy Star accessible to everyone, every house we build, whether it's high-end or it's like very affordable. Um, I just wanted to be able to blanket that. And so by understanding it from the inspection side, you kind of get an inside look. Um, so I did um, about two years in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Maryland. Um, all three states are pretty progressive. New Jersey is probably the most progressive. Um, and what I learned there is that, you know, there's a lot of state incentives that are largely funded by the federal, you know, government to produce affordable housing that's lead and energy star compliant. And the reason is that being is because the federal government works with the state and the state works with developers and they say, Hey, developer, you want to build this, we'll give you lots of subsidies to build it, but we want you to manage it and take care of it for 10 years, for 15 years, for 20 years. And so if you want to maximize that, it makes sense to be make the home or the unit super efficient um, to follow these lead and energy star practices because it actually is a better home. It's a better built home. It's a, excuse me, it's a more efficient home. And so the long-term maintenance costs come down drastically mm -hmm. and the turnover comes down drastically. It's not a, a 25 year or 50 year home. Basically the coin is it's a generational home or a century home. So it's like a hundred year home. Um, and the idea is like, these places can be turned over multiple times as needed, but it's like they don't have to be renovated every time because they're well built and well put together. Um, and so in, in seeing that, I was just blown away to see these, like pretty much every developer jumping on board. And on the East Coast, it's a grind. Like it's all about money. It's all about getting done quickly. But, you know, they're building these massive affordable housing and low income and no income Um you know, 400 unit, 500 unit buildings in Newark, New Jersey and Camden and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and Baltimore and Washington, DC. Um, and these people are given, you know, these units that are super efficient. And so like the maintenance costs are minimal and, you know, the developer is able to manage that over the long term. And it's like a win-win for everybody, but they're getting like these massive subsidies to do it. And so, um, it was all based on like being in code, following code, being current with code. And it's like you are encouraging that because it should be like that because codes change and improve. Um, Hawaii, unfortunately, is having a hard time, you know, getting out of 2006, even into 2009. And what um, is the reason for that? I mean, I think, you know, I, what are the hurdles that we what are the hurdles that Smart Living Hawaii is going to have to jump over? Oh, man, bureaucratic hurdles. I mean, I want to be careful what I say. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like it's a matter of there's, you know, steadfast companies here, unions that, you know, to change new code and to move honestly to move to 2012 is a big jump because there's enforced requirements by the International Energy conservation code, the IECC. And that requires certain testing and additional practices to make a home tight. And by tight, I mean, you, if you open your windows, you want air in, right? But if you close your windows and doors, you don't want air because you're closing your windows and doors. But the older code allows people to build leaky houses. 
And there's a number of practices that are easy to implement that can build a tight home. And so how they test a tight home is they hook up a system to the front door, they shut everything, and then they suck the air out. And there's something that tests the pressure from outside to inside. And that determines like the leakiness of a home. And so in Hawaii that, you know, most of the homes built here are union. Um, and so if you do that, you're implementing practices that people have to learn and do. And it's like potential costs that they're scared of. And it's not really, you know, it, it's minimal. Um, fortunately, there are some builders like Swinnerton's doing a project in town that I'm helping them on. They're doing a, a affordable housing that is LEED certified. And so they're approaching these, you know, and, and doing it voluntarily. Um, and I think that's an amazing thing because they're building better homes. But I mean, all in all, Hawaii, I think that the holdup is that they are, you know, stuck on these new ways of doing things. And construction is like, it, it should be a reality show. There's more drama in construction than, <laughs> you know, the Kardashians. But um, I would honestly say that, you know, if we got over this, I, I guess like we're stuck on, oh, we got to do this extra stuff. I mean, the state could move quickly in the current code. And then, I mean, then it's ensuring that people that are building here are getting the best product mm -hmm. because builders typically just build to what they have to build to. They're not building lead and energy star. There's not a whole lot of builders. And you get we get that a lot from outside from coming in. Yeah. Um, I know when they're used to the build over there and they come here, it's night and day. I mean, my auntie did bring in people from the mainland to finish up her home because of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean um, yeah, because yeah, there's just there's not a quality I, I don't I shouldn't say that, but true the truth is there's not a quality standard. And so like if you're willing to lapse nine, ten years 15 years in building code and to see those improvements like the difference from 2006 to 2018 most people would be like really i'm paying x amount of money to like who wants to buy a 2006 toyota you know for the same price as a 2018 i mean basically that's yeah. what you're selling for yeah so well i guess really what needs to happen and i think that it will i think that if we push this in front of legislation or push this in front of the people that need to know about this, it's where we're headed. We're headed towards a more sustainable future and clean energy. And if our houses are leaky and we're cranking the AC and just letting it out into, you know, and we kind of put things into perspective to, you know, why we're not up to code, how we can't get all this extra funding, you know, to create the affordable housing that they're looking to, like, they want to do more affordable housing, you know, so if that's what they're trying to accomplish, and they don't have the funds for it, then um, if there are alternatives, they need to know about it. And I don't know if they do. I don't know if the right people know. Yeah. And, so. and I mean, that's always administration to administration, you know, things change. But um, the, the previous kind of um, practice had been, you know, the federal government was earmarking large sums of subsidies for states that promote, you know, the Energy Star and LEED programs. And, you know, it, it, and it makes sense when you think about it, because what you're doing is you're forcing or you're, you're giving people the option to just build the best that they can build and not settle for less. And I think, you know, in a, in an industry that's kind of the backbone of our economy, like we should be doing that. Like any builder should be like, can I build this better? Well, then I should build it better. Like not cut corners and things like that. Cause you're talking about pretty much the single largest investment that anyone makes in their life, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I feel like 
it being kind of substandard is like kind of I laugh at it because it's like I see people put more effort into literally like decisions they make at the grocery store than they just settle on something for a new house. And I'm just like, huh, okay. But yeah. I guess, you know, it, it's, it is, and it's education and understanding is a big part of it. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot here with this little game since I was doing my research on LEED certification. I did see a chart here on how many states, I want to see how many states you can list out of the top 10 states that led LEED green building last year in 2018. So can you start naming some? Maybe I can uh, check them off. The 10. So I know Hawaii made it. Yes. Um, Which is great, right? Because I, I was, Hawaii made it with having the, not the sun. So they're, they're, they're like you, the people that did this and the developers that have done this, it's because they're stepping up, yep. whether they have to or not. Right? Yep. That uh, yeah, that kind of, I was like, that maybe almost brought me to tears. I was excited to see that. Um, I know, okay. I know, Texas and California yes. are, are big uh, okay. states. That's I believe big. Massachusetts yes. is one. Colorado, I think, does yes. a pretty good job. Um, I want to say Pennsylvania and New Jersey, but I feel like New Jersey may have fallen out a little bit. No, New Jersey um, and Pennsylvania no, aren't on here this year. Is DC? Yeah, but DC is on here but not as one of the states, right? Okay. But the interesting thing about it, they put it on here as um, asterisks because of that, but it's because everything is the federal government doing right. it, right? So everything they do Down there is has going to be, kind to of be. Compliant. so their GSF per capita, I'm not even sure what that means, certified gross square footage oh, okay. is, is much larger than some of these others because of that. Okay. And the number of projects they did was 145. Okay. Oh, that's so, that's not too bad. I mean, Hawaii's not too high in the number of projects, but we're also hey. such a small piece of land. Yeah, but it's like I feel like Hawaii is one of those places where, you know, we have something pretty remarkable. I mean, I would compare Hawaii to, you know, Yosemite in the sense that the natural environment is pretty pristine and like something that should be taken i mean everywhere should be taken seriously you know but there's not going to be like you know if yosemite if something bad happens there there's you know we don't take care of the land i mean you're losing something that's pretty monumental and i think hawaii is kind of the same thing it's like you have this you know unique environment that has multiple ecosystems where you can grow a whole variety of crops and things like that year round yeah year round and it's like you know if we don't take care of that it's not going to stick around. So moving into that, where we're talking about farming, um, that is another passion for you. So by the way, um, he does have a farm that he has just purchased, actually. Um, and if you can switch gears to farming, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with your business? Maybe a little bit about your uh, B Corp? Oh yeah, everything? for sure. I'm super proud of, uh, so our construction company, Mokalua HPB, um, we are a B corporation and we are the only construction company in the state of Hawaii that's a B corp and one of the few that is in the United States, um, especially for small scale that we are. And a B corp is a for benefit company where it's like we put, you know, basically, um, everything before profits. So, you know, social welfare, um, community welfare, employee welfare, um, and environmental welfare before profits. And so as part of that, um, you know, we do a lot of 
donation work. Um, and how we do that is, you know, in part, like we'll help out make a wish and do things for them. Um, and other nonprofits, but the premise is I farm. And so I grew up on a farm. I'm familiar with farming. We've been farming in Waimanala for about six years and we grow kalo, we grow ulu, um, you know, some citrus, but the primary is staple crops like, you know, kalo and ulu because that can then be donated to some nonprofits we work with that can, you know, make that into food products that can be passed out to, you know, disenfranchised communities, you know, Waimanalo is a big one, um, you know, underprivileged and things like that. And so, um, yeah, just recently I went through the process, took about six, seven months to finally get my own farm. I was farming other people's land, but to get our own farm in Waimanalo, which is a beautiful five, five acre piece of property that was used to be a nursery. Um, we're in the process of transitioning that into, um, you know, where we will grow our taro and where we'll grow our ulu. And it's all, we do it all Korean natural farming. So it's no-till, um, you know, kind of the best for the land that we can. Um, and the benefit of that is as we grow that, we will continue to, you know, um, promote these nonprofits and support them. And then also kind of encourage community involvement in Waimanalo. Um, cause previously we've been really working up in the Uhui Manu area, so, yeah, but um, from the B Corp side of it, that's like our, you know, that that's our big um, contribution. Yeah, that's our, our contribution. And it's like, you know, and kind of inherent in what we do and and something that I love to do. Um, you know, nothing like having two full time jobs and a family and all that. So. <laughs> well, I feel you on that um, with Smart Living Hawaii and what we're doing is definitely having another job on top of it. But, but that's in this day and age, it's like you know, sustainability, you gotta, in every way you can, you gotta push it, gotta push it because it's quickly losing ground. And if this, these grassroots movements don't get together, like you're trying to do it's, it's, you know, you get all the, much like you say, all these little facets that are, you know, tunnel vision on what they're doing. But, you know, as a whole, if we get together, I mean, I think it'll be a network of success. So, yeah, well, with what you're doing, you're creating a living space for people and creating a sustainable I mean, entity for them. So, I mean, some people are just going to want their home to be energy efficient, right? And to help offset costs and to put PV on the roof. But others now are moving into more of a permaculture. Have you been working with any homes yet on that level where they're, you know, the whether it's hydroponics or whether they're incorporating what the fish ponds and the other things and then you know living off the grid almost right yeah we do um have a few projects we've done a few projects we have a few projects um i'm really stoked about uh development that's in kailua um we built one house and we're building another um and they're kind of they're farms and so we've the the awesome thing is because i know farming like the clients are just like oh it's like i'm somebody to talk to about and they can kind of run it because their intent is to farm and and you know the one project we are had start we just started um we actually did all the legwork to get them set up as the farm so their produce is in the ground everything's situated and now we're building their ag support structure and their house um and then we also work a lot with island foodscaping um and they do kind of it's like interactive landscaping so to speak but it's like you know they'll plant kalo they'll plant um, herbs and things like that in a 
manner with which is like you know planting regular ornamental plants so it's like you get this beautiful landscape but it's edible landscaping that's so Um, awesome so how many other so this is i'm glad to hear that there's actually someone starting this here yeah um i would love to see more because um we live in an apartment and it has a beautiful landscape and it's sitting there with all this green space there's actually a huge lawn that's mowed and it just says dogs keep off because we have pets and we have a pet park right but i'm just thinking this whole grassy area could literally be like lettuce and all this extra stuff that's grown and they have two or three landscapers daily trimming the trees and cleaning up everything like why can't they also just farm some stuff for us yeah, right community and so gardens, yeah. the community gardens and and have that part of the landscaping i guess i you know that you're already paying someone to do this yeah. job and the community association you may not as a you know owning your own home pay somebody to do this but with the amount of complexes that we have you know why not pay the landscapers to farm too so it's just an interesting concept i definitely want to talk to go farms about maybe that as one of their you know plans like just imagine that could totally be so that's what that person does they do that yep so they uh, we work a lot with justin um I, i mean he's my preferred landscaper um because he incorporates things like that and he's also like cognizant of like organic you know amendments and things like that i mean most landscaping companies it's just do they test the soils and everything too yep and remediate and um we we go through the whole process but it's it's largely um minimal till korean natural farming which is like you kind of figure which plants and what you're growing and because all plants have what they need inside of them right so a coconut tree drops its you know if you think about it back in the day how do they fertilize without humans um they drop their nuts they drop their fronds and things like that it would break down and it's got all the nutrients they need within that and so it's and like plant you right below it yeah it soaks like, it up it's like natural fertilization and that's the tenant huh. principle of korean natural farming like that there's everything you need is already in there so it's it's you just creating a better environment for it so it's like as they drop stuff you you know if we trim trees we put it below the tree and then mulch on top because mulch helps break it down mm-hmm. or add probiotics because that also helps you know and good bacteria helps expedite the breakdown and the nutrients and so you don't really need to fertilize with chemical fertilizers or anything like that um but you know those guys are real savvy with that and our objective you know with lead because landscaping is a huge part so of it. so they do landscaping do they do the maintenance as well um he dabbles in that yeah he okay. will um like kind of for the first year but he's not a maintenance company um but i mean he'd be a good one to talk to yeah, well, I'll definitely know, reach out to him. He'd be very interesting for me to have as a podcast as well. Yes, definitely. Um, so we just dove into I, the other topic that I know that, I mean, a lot of this is we have listeners that are coming in that are green to green, right? They don't, they're just learning. Some of them have, you know, this is their thing, but a lot of people don't. And that's my whole point is I really want to get sustainable awareness out there. So they start getting involved or interested. So there's certain buzzwords they keep hearing, but may not really understand the full capacity of it. So are you one that could talk a little bit more on permaculture? Um, yeah, I can sure. I mean, dabble in permaculture. Um, so, I mean, you mean the tenets of it or? Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, just a little bit in how it 
plays a role with what you do? Um, so, I mean, essentially in my own yard, I kind of did that same concept. So, you know, with planning out the areas, um, you know, you kind of clean up your land, amend the soils naturally. And again, like I just mulched a lot of stuff and then you bring in, you know, um, you bring in native, uh, the best way of my understanding is you bring in native, you know, species, things like taro, which they're pretty to look at anyway. I mean, if you, if you have a hillside, you can plant taro in there, it'll last forever. You don't have to pull it up. You can, if you want, you can trim the leaves. Um, but I use mine as babies for the cakey for when we plant out at the farm. So it's like, you know, invigorating, um, not just my home and making it nice, but then it's useful, you know, going forward. Um, you know, and, and then clearing out invasive plants is a big one, um, which Hawaii has just a lot of, and it's often difficult to do because out here things just grow. I mean, I live Manawili, things just grow so fast, so quickly the that, rain, that yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, you, you know, it, it can almost be a daily task, but, um, the idea is, you know, getting back to with plants that hydrogenize well together or work well together. And then, you know, eliminating some of the things that kind of can be invasive and, you know, cause issues for other things that are growing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to take just for those of you who are like permaculture, what is that? Uh, Wikipedia's version of permaculture is a set of design principles centered around whole systems thinking, simulating or directly utilizing the patterns and resilient features observed in the natural ecosystems. So for here in Hawaii, we have the ancient Hawaiians who've basically lived that lifestyle. And what we're seeing now is that everybody is, wait a minute, they did this a long time ago with a million people here. Uh, maybe we should go back to what they yeah. did. Um, utilize the crops and uh, plants that they used and try to um, work with what they had because it worked. <laughs> So I think that's where we're at really moving forward. And in order for us to progress in our future, we do have to look back in our past. And I think that's, I think that's where we're all headed. I, we're looking at doing that. I think a lot of people have this idea. A lot of people are moving in this direction and you are someone, a really good example of taking that and it's now becoming a business and Further along than that, it's just new businesses are popping up every day that falls under the sustainable um, sectors that we're working on because they know it is our future. And I think the community is looking for it, is wanting it. Um, if you were to be able to choose something sustainable or not, I mean, if, and it's, you know, relatively in the same price range, you're going to move into that. And to know that you can build, you know, and it doesn't yeah. cost anything i mean yes there are things that are going to cost more but to know that you can still build sustainably um on a budget absolutely right? and you yep. do you do work you don't just work with the luxury high end you do build um regular homes as well so for those of you who are inquiring and wondering if this is just for the uh, luxury market it's not no i prefer i prefer to do the affordable homes because you know that's what's important. That market is, you know, the luxury ones are great and we can do that. And it's, it's, often, it's fun to play with the technology, I'm sure. Yep. <laughs> but it, it's great to do like everyone should have access to, you know, the best home that they, you know, if they're spending the money, no matter how much it is, should have access to, you know, the best home and a home that's in harmony with the environment, you know, like permaculture and, uh, you know, farming and all that stuff. The objective of sustainability is to be to the extent possible 
in harmony with, you know, the, the environment surrounding it. And that's kind that's what lead is looking at it saying, all right, so you can build this house, but how can we be more environmentally efficient and, and conscientious so that we're not, we're minimizing or even eliminating the impact on the surrounding environment and land and Ina. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love those simple homes and everyone's should have access to that. Well, I think that wraps things up. We're out of time and it's all I got for now. So thank you so much, Mike, for spending your morning with me. And um, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at www.smartlivinghi.com. Also follow us on Instagram at smart underscore living underscore Hawaii. And like us on Facebook. Mahalo. And until next time, live smart.